0: K Productions proudly brings to you the greatest podcast in the world! The greatest podcast in the world? Suck it. No, you suck it. No, you suck it. No, you suck it. No, you suck it. it. I appreciate it if you both suck it. Suck it! Uh, We really should stop this fighting. Otherwise, we'll miss the fireworks. There won't be any fireworks. And here we go. And welcome, everybody, to... Suck it, I am the great and powerful king of kings, prince of all, that is awesome Derek, how is everybody tonight? It is Wednesday, September 16th of this wonderful year that is 2020 And I say that with the utmost sarcasm But, you know, we're getting there Getting toward the end of the year, hopefully, you know January 1st will bring new profound amazingness But we'll see how it all rolls out And see how it all goes And I guess November will decide Whether or not we're going to be happy next year And that, that's all depending on what you believe <laughs> So I guess we'll all see what happens But we're not here to talk about that tonight We're not here to discuss that stuff We're here to talk fun stuff And more specifically, music Because my guest... Is a absolute legend Working with some of the You know, greatest musicians of our time Such as Jackson Brown, Phil Collins, James Taylor And more I mean, Crosby, Stills, Nash I mean, just countless records And, you know, things that he's done You know, as a session musician And as a touring uh, bass player And just amazing, amazing stuff So, without any further ado Please welcome the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Leland Sklar How are you? I'm fabulous, Derek, how are you? You know what? I could
1: not be better Great, great You have the best name for a podcast so I absolutely <laughs> Well,
0: I appreciate that
1: Suck it, <laughs> suck, it suck it to me
0: Exactly uh, My wife, I, I have to give my credit to my wife though She's the one who came up with that one Good for her and that's, I was like, oh, that, that's actually kind of funny. Let's do it. I love it. I love it. It's great. So how's everything for you, man?
1: Well, you know, it, 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 as a musician, it's as bizarre as it could possibly have become this year, you know, going from a full book through February of next year to a completely empty book. Um, it's been uh, pretty surreal. But um, the most important thing right now is just staying safe and alive to enjoy whatever the future holds.
0: A hundred percent. I mean, you know, as you know, someone who used to be a musician and someone who's obviously a huge music fan, um, you know, without the training, I consider myself a music historian. But Mm -hmm. um, it's one of those things where um, I I, I visited 10 concerts last year Mm -hmm. and to not be able to go to one. Or even have the opportunity Well, I had the opportunity to go to one And then it got pushed around twice And then finally got cancelled last week Yeah You know, and to see the bands suffer Especially the ones that are unsigned You know, ones that have to tour all the time to make money Or even get their name out there Suffering, because it's going to be the last thing That's going to come back and recover It's going to take forever to recover
1: I agree completely. Yeah, we are we are low man on the totem pole.
0: Yeah, I mean, live events uh, is going to be crazy. I mean, and next year, you know, if it comes back in any which way, shape, or form, it's going to be crazy because everyone's going to want a tour. Everyone's going to want to you know putting on an album. Everyone's going to be doing this, and it's going to be flooded. Yeah. So it, it could be flooded with great stuff. It could be flooded with horrible stuff. We just don't know. Yeah,
1: I mean, my heart really like you just said, though, my heart really goes out to like the young bands, new bands that were maybe just starting to get rolling. And all of a sudden they've hit this. And my heart goes out to all the club owners that are still paying rent and trying to keep their building afloat. But they can't do anything in them. And they're 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 folding right and left. And also all the crew people, all the ancillary people that are involved with small gigs, large gigs. You know the, the roadies, the, you know the grips at, at arenas, the the uh, um, swag people. I mean, everybody's just really, you know, going to be suffering for a long time for this. And I had a gig and a thing I was supposed to do in May that got bumped to November, that got bumped to February, and they just reconfirmed it for March of '22. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, people are looking long term at this point, and it's yeah. it's heartbreaking. It's what it is.
0: It really is. Again, because like you said, you know, it's those small bands that are really taking a hit. Yeah. And, um, and those, some of those ones are the ones that are delivering some of the best music out there. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. Even thinking about like all the graduates from schools like Berkeley and Llama and Los Angeles, you know, here they come out of school just chomping at the bit to go out there and kick some ass and get going. And all of a sudden, you know, they've, they've, they've hit a brick wall and all that education, all that, Excitement that they've had really has no place to go. So you know, you don't want to be Debbie Downer about it, but you want to be a realist about things too. And uh, realistically, it's a t- it's a really tough time we're facing.
0: Yeah, I mean, what? Because usually around this time every year, you know, uh, Danny Wimmer presents, which is the biggest um, you know festival promoter in the country, mm-hmm. starts releasing, you know, oh. Out- Here's the, son- the the Sonic Temple Or used to be Rock on the Range You know, headliners And then we're going to start, you know, introducing them And then February, I mean, March Or excuse me, uh, you know, we'll go live in May And December tickets will go on sale But haven't heard anything, you know Same yeah. thing with, you know, all the different ones And it's just like Okay, so I guess we're not going to have anything next year And knowing that we're that far out from, you know the summer of next year, which is, you know, the world's, you know, loudest month in May and yeah. everything like that. It's like we're not even a, we're we're like, what, nine months away from that. And we're already predicting nothing.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I I'm hopeful that that some semblance of, of work will will happen. I mean, I, you know, it's great seeing these people doing the drive in theater concerts now. And I mean, there's things going on. Um, but it's not, I mean, I feel so fortunate like we did just did two and a half years basically with Phil Collins. And I was so grateful we got through this, you know, with, without that all being shut down. So I could actually, if that becomes the last, you know, big thing I, I, for me, you know, it was a good one. Um, yeah. but, but we did, uh, the band that I'm in right now called the immediate family, we did a, uh, a rock legends cruise with Roger Daltrey and Nancy Wilson and a bunch of people in February. That was one of those, like, uh, uh, Florida, you know, like Fort Lauderdale to the grand Caymans and back. Mm -hmm. And right after that is when everything shut, you know, shut down. And they had us booked for next February and they've canceled that. And now they're asking us to come back in February of 22. So next year, just, just, there's no way of knowing, but nobody seems, really wants to commit or everybody who is putting anything out there is doing it with with a, a certain amount of legal um, mumbo jumbo in their in their contracts that saying look if if this is still going on we're not going to be there and you can't be penalized for it yeah it's tough man my my heart goes out to everybody and it goes out to the public too cuz one of the greatest things in life is being able to go hear live music i mean this is what people do to get you know to get off to get away from maybe that something going on in their lives you know this is those couple hours where they can really just enjoy something and blow some steam and to have that taken away from the audience to me is also incredibly tragic
0: yeah i mean i'm a big um you know bar hitter and you know mm-hmm. brewery hitter and stuff like that and even then you know just you know the amount of people in bars and you know obviously breweries and stuff like that are, have gone down to where you know even if they didn't have live music that night they're always playing music in the background yeah and you know in a bar or anywhere in the world you would go you know journey would come on everyone would start singing you know just a small town boy at the top of their lungs or yeah. you know living on a prayer the, these these quintessential songs exactly and we can't even go to a bar To enjoy just a radio playing with a beer in our hand. Yeah. You know, something as little as that is, has been taken away from us. Yeah.
1: I mean, we are, we are basically living in this kind of a bizarre isolationist thing. I just went over and picked up dinner for my wife and I, Mexican restaurant that we go to, you know, and I walk in there and there's three tables of people. You know, I mean, normally the place was packed to the gills, but the way they have to set up Mm -hmm. and, and those are all outside on their patio. And you just you just kind of stand there for a second looking at this and thinking about eight months ago or whatever it was that we were living on another planet. (laughs) I mean, everything was different and all of a sudden it's it's just turned into this um, like we went through a wormhole into an alternate universe. Yep. And uh, and, you know, I I, I'm I'm going to keep my my energies all positive and, and you know, and uh, and just hope for the best. But. It's it's frustrating every day just kind of waking up and, you know, just kind of thinking about what could have been because there was so much cool stuff that I had in my book that I was so excited about. That's, you know, it's it's either on hold or gone.
0: Yeah. What do you think about at least live streaming concerts other than the drive in shows? Um,
1: the, the group that I'm in, we did. Uh, there's a place called the Coach House down here uh, in Los Angeles, and we did a live stream there a few months ago and we're, we're going out to um, DW Drums that's going to let us use their soundstage and their technical uh, facility, and we're going over there to do another concert at the beginning of October, and then we'll stream that out. I think they're great. Um, I'm doing, working with a whole bunch of different people that are all doing live streaming, and you just have to wrap your head around the fact that the audience that would be sitting in front of you is sitting somewhere, but they're not there with you. Yep. But you're going to do a show with the same intention as though they were right in front of you and, uh, but it's a chance to play. So, and it's a chance for people to hear music. So uh, it's different, but man, go for it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, last month or a month and a half ago or whatever it was, um, I bought a ticket for eight bucks to watch a live streaming event for a band called Trivium. Mm -hmm. And um, they, they rented out a soundstage at, Full sale in Orlando, um, <laughs> full Sail College. And they they put together a full concert lights, the whole nine yards, and charged eight bucks. And they sold a ridiculous amount of tickets. And it was, yeah. you know, it, you know, at least that was cool. Um, however, you know, it was everything else is just like you know, just kind of waiting. And you know, even you know, Trivium's a pretty decent sized band, but they're not as big as, you know, some of the bigger ones and they're not doing the bigger ones aren't doing much and it's like no. guys well i mean it's
1: weird i mean genesis was supposed to be doing a, a tour at the end of the year which has been moved to i think next may they're still going to rehearse at the end of this year for it but they just still don't know whether it'll be possible but for those guys when they go out it's stadium tour yep. how the hell are you going to do a stadium tour at this point when they might say you know the place holds you know 70 000 people and they're going to allow in 15,000 I mean it's it's just not it's just not viable at this point so yeah. it's just hard to know where things are headed but the the, the primary thing is safety at yeah. this point because this is a virulent disease that uh you know when every time there's one of these gatherings like Sturgis <laughs> seeing all the bikers there and now they're talking about a quarter of a million people came down with it yeah uh, you know it's it, it's just not I've had friends die you know, so I don't take this lightly at all. This is really uh, some scary times. So,
0: yeah, it really well, is.
1: I see what happens.
0: You know, I, just, yep. I you, firmly agree. Yeah. So, let's go ahead and talk about you for a second here. Um, when did you first break into the business? Um, I would say probably what the actual professional
1: side of my career uh, began in 1970 mm-hmm. uh, when I started working with James Taylor. And, uh, and I met James when I, w- I was in a band in the end of the 60s out here in L.A. called Wolfgang. And um, our drummer had a friend who had a friend, and that friend was uh, James Taylor, and he brought him to one of our rehearsals. And James, uh, when he got his opportunity to play the Troubadour for the first time in L.A., remembered me from this rehearsal. And... They tracked me down and asked me if I would do this one gig with them, and basically, 50 years later, I'm sort of still on the gig. (laughs) It's, it's pretty weird how it happens.
0: Yeah, 50 years in this business. Yeah, I mean that's, that's that's you know that's a long time. It's a lifer. It really is. I mean that's longer than I've been alive. I mean that's it's astonishing.
1: Well, the thing for me is, is it's been 50, 50, it's actually over 50 years now, but man, I am as excited about it today as I was the day I started. And that, that's never waned, man. I love going in the studio and I love hitting the
0: road. Yeah. You know. Um, You know, you spent the majority of your time as a studio musician mm-hmm. um, and you've gone out on some really big tours as well. Which one do you enjoy more?
1: Um, I think if somebody told me I had to make a choice, I would I would choose touring. Um, You know, I love studio. I mean, I've worked on about twenty six hundred albums and during the course of my career. And I love the process of making music and working with all these different artists. But there's something about being on stage and the immediacy of playing to an audience. I always kind of tell people, I said, you know, in the studio, you can play a note and scrutinize that note for a week. You can sit there and dick around with it, and move it, and play with it. I said, "Lie." If you play that note, it's over. You're on to the next note. You know. <laughs> so I, I like that part of things. But I, I feel fortunate that I've been able to kind of balance both. I mean, I've been on the road every single year for the 50 years. I've n- never had wow. one year where I wasn't on at least one tour. And, uh, but I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a workaholic. I mean, I love. Being busy I love working And uh, And music's been My life's blood still. Yeah
0: You know you, you hit the nail on the head I mean Being on a stage And getting that crowd reaction Hearing that live You know that Getting that live feel Is Second to nothing Yeah You know I mean When I got up on stage For the first time At 18 years old Playing guitar On you know In front of 50 people I was hooked And I did that For a long time Until you know I I just Got sick of the business aspect of things Especially Mm -hmm. in the Orlando area at the time Was just bad And then, you know Moving on to being a professional wrestler for 12 years You know, that live You know, that live feel is nothing Nothing like the world Yeah So I I agree with you on that But at the same time, you know Getting to collaborate with everyone from, you know Phil Collins, Rod Stewart, Reba McIntyre And more, you know It's just like that cre- The creative juices get go- get flowing With every different person Everything from country to rock And it's just like That's a pretty uh, hefty resume too
1: Well, you know I mean, the thing is I, I You know, like we're talking about Which would I prefer But I'm just ultimately grateful I've never had to make the decision That yeah. I, get, I still get to do both And I'm still going in the studio And doing album projects And I've actually For the first time in my whole life I've started just re- recording Bass parts at home pe- Friends of mine and people are sending me files, and I set up a little thing here just with GarageBand, which is adequate for my needs. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm, you know, uh, I still feel engaged. And also, you know, one of the things too is, man, I am just as happy playing a club with fifty people as I am playing a stadium with a hundred thousand people mm-hmm. in it. It's uh, it's the opportunity. To play music, I, I, I work with a, a Welsh singer named Judith Owen, who's married to Harry Shearer from Spinal Tap and House mm-hmm. Simpsons. And we were doing some gigs uh, in north of England and we were in a little pub there and there's probably about 40 people in, in, in the audience. And these guys came up to me afterwards and went, man, last time I saw you was in Wembley Stadium. What are you doing here? I said, I'm playing really good music. Are you having a good time? And they said, yeah. I said, done. <laughs> we're good you know i mean to me it's playing great music and seeing people enjoy it and uh the numbers i mean the business side of of all of this you know the the number crunchers and and that side and management they're concerned about the amount of people at a venue but man i could care less if if there's two people in there having a good time i'm having a good time
0: exactly yeah and i felt feel the exact same way i mean i did a stand-up comedy gig um at a brewery that was socially socially distanced and um you know, there was only maybe ten people in the crowd and you know, I had like maybe a hundred people on YouTube, but it was like it didn't matter to me. You know, the ten yeah. people in the crowd was just I got the reactions I wanted. If they want if I wanted them to boo me, they booed me. If I wanted to yeah. laugh, they laughed. And it was still epic. And you know, that was the first time I've done that, you know, pretty much all year, and it was just like I need it back. I really need it back. Yeah.
1: Well, it's, 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 man, it is your life's blood. It's your juices that keep everything flowing, keeps the, keeps the the machine greased. And um, and so I'm looking at every opportunity I can to be engaged and still feel viable through this. And, uh, and, and there's stuff out there. I mean, I just spent, I just spent today with Judith Owen and uh, we did, we did a little thing in her living room of four songs and, She's releasing them every week. We've done a whole bunch of them, and she's got a new album in the works right now that we're working on. But she's doing these; they're not live streams, but we're recording them, and then she's just you know doling them out. And it was great. I had a wonderful day today playing with she and her uh, our percussionist Pedro Segundo, and uh, it was beautiful. It's I feel you know juicy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely, I can you know definitely could, understand that.
1: I could suck it.
0: I could, <laughs> 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 so with everything that's going on um yeah. and even without it going on I mean we're on a you know as far as the music business goes in the last 10 years it's seen a dramatic turn. Yeah. Um you know even prior to this you know with everything that we see where do you see the future of music being? Um boy, you
1: know I I have utmost confidence in in the actual music i mean there's so many great musicians so many great writers and singers out there uh, my real issue with it all that that's really is the dilemma is uh, is how people hear it number one get because there's so much of it is how do they find you uh, unless you've got some quirky little youtube video or something like that um and then at that point how do you monetize it Uh, so that you can devote yourself to your music and not have to have one or two other jobs and you're splitting all this time away from trying to develop your skills. But I I remember back when when I was younger, L.A. had a ton of clubs and you could go out and gig all the time in them. And so many are closed down. And that's where we all, you know, really honed our skills Mm -hmm. and, and, and made contacts and hooked up with people. And as that disappears, I just... You know, I, I don't quite know you know where where things are headed but like I said, I have confidence in the talent. it's just where does it go kind of in the early days you know with really with labels, you kind of always knew you were probably going to get screwed a bit by the label but they had a machinery in, in, in place that could get you on the radio that could get all kinds of stuff promotion and and different things going and uh, so much of that doesn't exist anymore. A lot of the projects that I work on, are just you know privately financed and just indie projects that people yeah. have always wanted to do, and usually the phone call I get after we finish it, um, any idea what we can do with this? Any do you know anybody I could we could call? And you know? and I'm going, man, I don't, I really don't, because all the people that I ever really knew in this business that had those kind of powers are gone, um, or or they're or they're maxed out with whatever their roster is and you've got to come up with some amazing crap to to bust in that door so you know i i I don't want anybody to be discouraged about the future at all because it's it requires tenacity um and it's the kind of industry that that uh, that if they can weed you out with a few things saying you know you you suck i don't dig you um, then you don't deserve to be in it. But if you're the kind of person that can listen to something like that and say, okay, I'm going to move on to the next thing and I'm going to just, then you might have a shot at it. And, and we'll see. We'll see what they can do. But
0: Yeah, I mean, because we've, now we've, we've come, come into a place in time to where, you know, music labels don't even matter. Yeah. You know, in theory, you know, Spotify and SoundCloud are like the technically, you know, Without being a music label, they're the biggest music label out there because they have more independent artists on there than than you know. Then there's actual people out there signed, and yeah. it's interesting to it's see inter-
1: that. It's interesting, but m- most of those people, you know, when you really look at the number of like hits and listens that that they get, and then you look at what they're able to collect as revenue, is is really um, it's really heartbreaking. Uh, I mean, somebody's, somebody's making dough off of this stuff, but it usually isn't the artists. I know that our group, we've got a Japanese label and we've got an American label. We've got quarto Valley records in the States and they're completely behind us and supporting us. And it's unusual. We feel really very, very fortunate to be in a situation of actually having a label that that gives a shit, (laughs) really willing to to work at and, and stuff. So, um, but it's unusual at this point.
0: It is. Because, like, you know, right now, if music is the only thing that you're doing and you can't tour, you know, if you get a million streams on, you know, Spotify, that's 5,000 yeah. bucks. And, you know, the percentage of people that are hitting that million streams, even just for one song, is like 2 to 3%. Yeah. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. Yeah. And,
1: yeah. yeah. It's hard. It's really hard, you know, but I, I love, like, there's a lot of new artists that I end up talking to and stuff. And really, if the more tenacious ones might really still have a shot at something, and you know, and then there's always that hope that somebody might hear you and want to put you into like a movie soundtrack or a TV show, or you know, where it, it can elevate you to the next level. It's it it it's doesn't happen often, uh, but when it kind of does, um, then it can move you completely into a whole different uh, playing field, and uh, it, but and but that usually requires exposure you know being in a club and somebody comes in and hears you in a club um or you are getting airplay and there's enough hits going on on you that usually the people in those kind of positions of power have somebody that's monitoring all that and they're saying and they'll go back to the people and say look this guy just got you know five million hits on this we should you know check them out so you you, you know it's all it's out there but it's it's in a different format than it ever was um yeah, I, I would hate. Um, for me personally, I would hate to be starting now. I really feel kind of blessed to be at the tail end, the twilight of my career, rather than you know the the, the launch of it.
0: But. Yeah. Do you feel, and this is going to sound weird. Um, do you uh, feel it's too easy and too, you know, uh, too easy and too, um, you know, accessible to be able to to label yourself as a musician these days?
1: Absolutely. I, I think my biggest uh, gripe about it is that technology has been created where you don't actually have to be good because you can you can, you know, go in if you're a drummer and your time sucks. You can quantize your sound. You can fix all of this stuff. Um, if you can't sing in, in key, you can pitch correct yourself. Um, and I feel there, there's so many people out there that if you actually heard them being what they are before they were fixed through technology they wouldn't have a, a, a snowballs uh, shot in hell uh, to be in the business but the technologies first off it's it's cheap I mean I grew up in million dollar studios and that's that was the norm and all of a sudden you know for a few thousand bucks you can put together a little home studio or you can actually make something slightly credible yeah. out of it and um, so it's allowed people into the business that to me should never would never have normally been into it. Um, and, and they, they can turn out a product that sounds pretty good, but it's not necessarily what they actually sound like. So if they ever have to go on the road, then you got to bring stuff that can, you know, fix you in real time and all that. So it's a, a as a, a dyed in the wool, um, professional, uh, it gets a little tedious sometimes. I think about like being in the studio and hearing people like, you know, you walk up to a mic and you sing, you get it in a take and you're done. Not you know, 30 takes and then comping and then pitch correcting and all that. So, you know, yeah. I, I, I don't want to be an old fart. You know, I mean, that's no, not contrary, I agree with you. Yeah, but it's it, the technologies really um, kind of changed the whole face of this. When digital technology uh, took over, um, it really was a game changer as far as the process. Yeah.
0: You know, I mean, because nowadays, anyone with a little bit of computer smarts and has a somewhat of an ear for music can go into pro tools and simulate a drum beat simulate a guitar beat and then auto tune their voice and come out with a song yeah i mean that's 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 the whole thing and some really
1: are are incredibly good at it and make great music and and but a lot of people just uh you know it's like just thinking I think about like guys like Mike Huckabee, you know, and you think just cause you own a bass doesn't make you a bass player. <laughs> you know, um, you know, you, you've really got to put in the time. And, and one of the frustrating things is all the things like, you know, American idol and the voice and all those things where you get a lot of people on those shows who have never done anything. Uh, and all of a sudden they're on a world stage and, and I've done a bunch of albums with winners of those shows. And, uh, it's telling sometimes when you get in the studio with them and you realize how inexperienced they are, where all the guys like me and women like me, um, well, not like me, but, (laughs) um, you know, we, we came up through the club scene and and playing bar mitzvahs and, and, and fraternity parties and all that kind of crap where you really develop your, your chops and you don't just go from like the UPS loading dock, um, to uh, you know, being a multi-platinum selling artist, it's it's a it's a weird thing.
0: Yeah, with the especially like you said with the or like you know, even throwing America's Got Talent with that too. Yeah, yeah you know all these talent shows. You know some of them have you know worked and grind. You know, and then by chance they end up on there, and then you know then they're finally getting their just desserts. But then there's a lot on there that you know. Oh, you know, I think I have a pretty good voice Let me go ahead and, you know, try to make a name for myself You know, I've never done it before Yeah, exactly I have a friend um, who lives in Tennessee That was um, season 12 of The Voice He placed fifth Um, His name is Josh Gallagher He's a country artist Mm -hmm. And, um dude is just spectacular I mean and you know how he fell into the voice was pretty interesting he was playing a club gig the club owner knew the one of the producers for the show videotaped him without even even knowing sent it to him the next thing you know he's getting off stage the producers calling him and says hey come to LA so well, it's like you know that's a pretty good story um but like you know there's not a lot of stories like that for people that have ground you know for, that have really grinded it out there yeah. and and that's what's and that's what really makes it really sad because yeah the art of picking up a guitar and playing for real or the art of playing drums or bass, you know, whatever has really gone by the wayside. Yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: especially when you hear people like, you know, I mean, I, I've always been a guitar guy. I love guitar. And, and when you hear like even some of the artists uh, now, some of the really lame ass artists that talk about, Oh yeah, you know, like guitar really sucks and all that. I mean, hearing great virtuoso guitarists, um, as compared to guys that just play rhythm and stuff, I, I just miss that. There's so much of the music now isn't, you know, j- just these amazing guys, May- maybe in, a, in some areas, you know, maybe w- within metal and, and some of the other, uh, formats, but for the most part, you know, when, the, when I got to work with all, you know, the guys like Steve Lukather and Tommy Bolan and all these cats, you know, I mean, you're just listening to just monstrous facility and taste and, um uh, I don't know. You know, I, I, I like I keep saying, you know, I, I want to be positive about all this stuff. And yeah. I, I don't begrudge anybody who w- tries to get into the music business and, and can pull it off. It's no uh, good for them, you know, because it's a it is a slog. It is a hard grind. Yeah. And, but the payoff, not necessarily financially, but the payoff emotionally is so deep. Exactly. It, it's worth it's worth all the, the crap you go through to get there.
0: Yeah, hundred percent agree with you on that. I mean, even with um, you know, the like you know the state of the music industry right now, as far as you know, sitting in a you know a studio, even a year ago, you know, prior to the pandemic, it was sitting in a studio for six, seven, eight weeks, whatever, making an album and then dropping it and it going platinum is, was rare. Yeah, you know, now it's it's you know it's all about the singles and the EPs, and which is weird. Yeah,
1: I, I totally agree on that one. I mean, and we're subject to it, too, because this band that I'm that I'm in now, we've basically been to most of us have been together for 50 years. It's the guys who I started with, um, with Jan- with Danny Korchmar and Waddy Wachtel and Russ Kunkel and myself, and then our, another friend, Steve Postel, joined us. Um, it's it's one of those um, situations, though, where e- even with us, we're releasing doing our own videos we're releasing we got an ep coming out we've had two singles out now we got an ep coming out our album is coming out um next year and we'll do another ep before then and Denny tedesco who made the um the movie the wrecking crew about Mm -hmm. the great ellie they're doing a documentary film about our band too and all this stuff was in motion And then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and it's still happening, but it just slowed the pace down. So all of a sudden we're like doing EPs and stuff just to keep the brand alive until, you know, we can hit harder with, with a real album, which is already, it's long finished. We did the album. We were ready to release it this year. And then all this happened, but you know, it's without the pandemic, it still was tough. Um, it's, it's just really put, you know, the skids on so much stuff. And, uh, and we will come through it at some point. Um, we would have come through it a, a lot sooner if it had been handled properly, but that's, uh, that's a whole other show, and we're not going to go there.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Um, you know, one of the things that you mentioned was, you know, there, there's still a lot of great, you know, you know, there's not a lot of great guitarists out there anymore, and, you know, maybe in the metal field, but other than that, you don't really know of much, uh, or however you worded it. Um, I'm paraphrasing. So with that being said... You know, in almost every other continent, other than the United States, you know, in the North or North America, yeah, um, rock and metal is the biggest genre still. Mm. You know, if yeah. you go into Europe or you know, you know, Sweden, especially Germany, all those places, yeah, um, you know, even China and Japan, rock and metal is still number one. Why do you feel? Rock is, and I don't agree with it, but why do you think that people believe that rock is dead here in America? Yeah, that's a hard one to really comprehend.
1: Um, a, 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 a number of years back, I ended up uh, going on the road with Toto. And we, we show up in Finland, and there'd be like 15,000 people show up to a gig in a little town in Finland. And then we come back to the States and they're getting, they're, they're offered like opening for Rick Springfield. Um, Mm. You know, I just, I I don't know. It it just doesn't seem to carry the weight um, here that, that it does overseas. There's a far more dedicated audience when you, especially like going to Japan is like insane um, just because the audience is so dedicated to you that they know more about you than you know about yourself. And, um, and I found that too. Like, like say in Germany and in, in France and Italy, um, it just all carries a kind of a different attitude towards. I don't know if maybe there was just so much exposure to so many different things here that people really don't hunker down and appreciate, the, you know, the really great stuff. But they're, they're constantly, you know, th- there's always a turnover of what they're listening to, and and not really dedicating themselves to a to bands. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's. It, it's hard to say, but I, I've seen that in, in terms of um, going overseas, and you really see how audiences act uh, to, to, our, to bands from America and other countries, as compared to the respect that they get when they're home. Yeah, and and some can some can pull it off, but um, there's a you know a, a lot really can't. And, yeah. uh, I don't know, but
0: yeah, I mean, if you look at you know European. Um, Festivals compared to American festivals, yeah. You know, two of the biggest out there are Download Fest and Rock Am Ring in Germany. And when if you look at videos of them online and look at YouTube videos of just, you know, one band that is quote unquote, you know, not respected here in America or doesn't get the the credit they deserve here in America, the amount of people that don't speak English Singing their songs to them back in English Mm -hmm. You know, in crowds of 150, 200,000 in some cases Yeah It's astounding You know, I remember This was back in the mid-90s Before the breakup of Russia Mm -hmm. Metallica had gone over to Russia And played a a Russian over there in Soviet Russia And it was really contained by, you you know You know, Russian military and stuff like that But still, it was like 150,000 people that showed up And You know, not a lot of Russians speak You know, a lot of English Yeah. But literally, or at least at the time Obviously it's changed since then But the amount of And you can there's videos of it These people singing every word Of every Metallica song back to them Yeah You know, we would never have that Here in America, and that's sad yeah, well, also it's pretty rare in America
1: that you would have any other act singing in anything but English. I mean, you do end up with with some Latin, you know, groups that that end up having a Latin audience and stuff. But for the most part, I've worked with like lots of Japanese artists, with French artists, with Italian artists. They can they can never come here and tour because the the, the American audience wouldn't be dedicated to them singing in their language. They would want to hear everything, um, but. It, it, I had a similar experience. We went and did a peace concert in Moscow in 87. And when o- I went over with, it was James Taylor, Bonnie Raitt, Santana and the Doobie brothers, and then some Russian acts. And the same thing that uh, the whole audience in there, it was the place. There was probably as many police in there as there was audience. And, uh, but meant everybody was singing everybody's songs. And I, I, I know most of those people did not speak English, but they were singing them all back. And, And we had the same thing with Phil Collins. Uh, uh, When we went out in early 2000s, we were playing Latvia and Estonia and going through all those places. We went through the Middle East and all those crowds were singing every song back to him. And Mm -hmm. and, you know, and you know that, you know, a lot of them, they're just learning the songs phonetically. Yeah. But but that's a dedicated audience. They are there. They are there for you. Correct. And uh, I love it I, I love them And it's, it's a, such a joy to, to go to those places And not have an audience That's blasé
0: Yeah the, uh, the amount of You know Fly-by-night You know Fans here in America And, and again it, It's nothing against Us Yeah You I, know as, It's nothing against the audience It's It's the The few that still have power And record labels Telling us what to like And what to You know Listen to Yeah So it's nobody's fault As far as the audience goes um, but, you know, they're so, you know, it's constantly evolving Right now the biggest thing is, you know, rap and R&B and hip-hop And, you know, I find that odd because, you know, it takes no less than 50 people to put one of those albums together When a rock band can go in there with six, you know, four, plus a manager and a, and a you know, an engineer And put out one of the greatest albums ever yeah, it's weird <laughs> that they're spending more time and money on something that, you know, is producing the same amount of money as everybody else. But it's like it's just weird. It's just strange. Well, it's
1: like, like some some of these albums out there. And I look at them and you look at some of the songs and there's like 12 writers on it. And then you look and there's like every track has a different team of producers on it. And you go, man, you know, I, I like going in with one producer who, who works with the artist and has a concept for what needs to be done. They're musical enough to understand how to, to how to put this all together. You put together, a, if it's a band, it's a band. If it's a single artist, you put together a great band to, to work with them and have great songs and you're done. I mean, it's easy, but you see some of these other projects where it's like, it's like watching the end of a movie and all of a sudden there could be three characters in the movie, but there's going to be five minutes of credits running by of all the people that had to, be there to make these three people You know, function
0: Yeah, one of the One of the biggest I'm not really sure If I should call it a con job Or to somebody who's Really, really, really smart um, But one of the biggest Examples of that today Is, you know Post Malone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because Post Malone At his heart, at his core Is a metal guy he played in metal bands and rock bands all throughout his high school, you know, and in, in, even into his twenties, and then only converted over to you know rap, R and B, whatever you know he has within the last you know since he made it big, and now he's like you know what I'm uh, you know, he made his name now he wants to you know do other things. I mean his, even his last album he collaborated with Ozzy, mm-hmm. you know, and um, it, it's weird because you know okay you know people are knowing that, you know, this is the good stuff, but I'm going to go ahead and come over to this side of the, you know, the, the tracks just to make a name for myself. And then I'm going to start, you know, bringing stuff to the, to the masses. Do you feel in a situation like that, that's a smart move? Well, I I can't say it's not a smart move. If it suddenly
1: escalates your career to a whole level that you never saw before, but sometimes the, the insincerity of it, um, it's, it's, a little, it's kind of like even looking at somebody like a monstrous musician, like Herbie Hancock. And then like he got the most attention when he did like this video with kind of a robotic thing and all this, it was probably like not the best thing he's ever done, but man, it, it got him, you know, airplay and attention. Um, so it, it's hard to know when these people kind of see, you know, maybe a, a, the grass is greener somewhere else and they go there and if they can, you know, Develop an audience there and then maybe, you know, be able to go back to what they really want to do and take that audience with them. It may be to their benefit. I don't know. I've never really been involved in anything like that where somebody's, you know, gone from one genre to another and gotten success in it and then tried to go back.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 curious about, you know, especially like look at someone like Taylor Swift who started as a country artist and then took off and then all of a sudden overnight she's a pop artist and yeah. you know, it's, it's just weird, you know, how some people go about making their themselves a name in this business.
1: Well, she, she certainly had an incredible marketing machine. Oh yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't think there was anything that that's happened in her career that wasn't deeply thought out and premeditated. Um, and, and they had the, the, the bank to, to do it. Um, and, and also it's, it's also different too. Like when you have somebody like her and her initial audience was, you know, kind of young girls, um, wanting to be like her and stuff. And then all of a sudden you try to move into adulthood and figure out where you're going to go with that. Because, you know, it's like being in Menudo or one of those kind of bands, you know, you're, 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 you have the same shelf life as leaving some cottage cheese out in the sun, you know, and you're, you're going to curdle pretty fast if you don't do something about it. So with with those kind of artists, it's really, you know, it's a business. They're 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 a brand more than they're an artist, I think. And and it's it's probably a whole group of business people that are working with them that are making these decisions on how we move them into another place and the kind of things they say to be a little bit more cutting edge rather than, uh, you know, easy listening but you know, some people have done it. It's it's not that common. I mean, Taylor was kind of a, a phenom in that phenom. way of yeah. really being able to pull that off. And uh, you know, so, but you know, I like you know, I, I just try try to think of things being true to what really you're about, yeah. And not, not look at you know what's going to bring in the biggest bucks for me, kind exactly. of thing, and then sell sell your soul to. to <laughs>
0: To, um, to sony or bmg yeah i mean <laughs> if, if you're
1: knocking on the door and the, and there's a guy behind the desk that goes "Duck it
0: you know yeah.
1: how bad do you want your gear <laughs> how bad yeah. do you want
0: your gear? exactly i mean looking you know at some of these movies that have come out about someone you know legendary bands whether it be elton john or you know yeah. um bohemian rhapsody with queen you know it it shows you the real trials and tribulations—it's—it's fictionalized as well, but yeah. it really shows you what they went through as far as some, with some of these labels. I mean, yeah. the story of you know Freddie and Queen walking out that one day from uh, that label because they didn't want to air uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is a real story. Yeah, and they caught a lot of shit for that. And you know, but that kind of stuff still happens today. But people are more willing to cave. I—I th- I think so.
1: I think th- I think there's more. I'm not going to say desperation but I think there's more wanting it so bad that you'll kind of do whatever it takes, you know, because the opportunities are fewer for a group mm-hmm. like queen. If, if, if what they had, the goods that they had, somebody was going to buy and, and they were going to make it because the band and, and Freddie is, was that good. Oh um, God. So it would have happened. And, and, you know, when you see those kind of things fictionalized in a movie, Got, you kind of got to figure that what you're seeing in that movie is probably as best as that, uh, up, you know, that moment was, and it was probably a lot darker. Oh yeah. Than that. So, um, but, but it was that tenacity, you know, of knowing this is special, this is really good, and if you don't like it, then you know, screw you, we're out of here. Yeah. And it takes takes balls to do something like that, and you got to have confidence in in, in your yourselves and, and stay true to what you believe in. As compared to being chasing, you know, the next trend and, and listening to somebody who basically may not really know much of anything about music, but they've been put in a position of power. And uh, I mean, that's why I ended up putting a producer switch on my base. I've got a switch that doesn't do anything. But if I'm working with a somebody that doesn't know what they're talking about and they're asking for things that don't make any sense, I make sure they see me flip the switch and then they're usually happy, but it doesn't do anything.
0: I got gotcha. you. <laughs> <It's> the placebo. <laughs> yeah, I was ready to say that. Um, you know, looking back at your time in this business, yeah, you know, whether it be you know the your favorite album that you worked on or the favorite time that you you know the favorite time period or the favorite artist you've worked with, what would you say would be the the greatest time period for you in this business?
1: Um, I think for recording. I would probably think in the 70s because it was there was so much going on. There were so many great artists being signed. Labels, man, just were signing everybody that that came in the door and, and tons of them were great. So we were working on an average of three to four sessions a day, six days a week for like a decade. Wow. It was it was amazing. Um, but there's been special things in, in you know, in every decades since then but that was a pretty intense one plus we were all neophytes man we were just you know i I went from having only been in the studio once to cut some demos with a band i was in to being a first call studio musician overnight and i didn't know what the hell i was doing and so i mean i'm trying to figure out how to get sounds and you know what's a di (laughs) you know all the all these things that that came with that territory because your butt was on the line every day you you know they wanted product and they wanted the best you could deliver without um without bells and whistles and tricks so you really had to have your a game on every single day you went to work and uh so we learned really hard and really fast and and i and i was i was fortunate from from my standpoint that i've always been like an add adhd kind of personality so I could hunker down and focus really fast on what was needed, mm-hmm. and uh, and and dug in, dug my heels in deep, and went for it,
0: and uh, and it
1: and it paid off. It, 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 I was fortunate, but uh, but that <laughs> was a great period for me. I'm sure.
0: I can I can only imagine. I mean, especially the '70s into the '80s. I mean, yeah. Um, you know, for me, you know, I'm an '80s kid, and uh, yeah, you know, some of that, some of the greatest things that came out of the was out of that generation, and just amazing. I mean, I remember. Being four or five years old, six years old, and I, I still remember it to this day um, what brought me into the music business and you know just maybe obsessed was the Michael Jackson Thriller video. Mm-hmm. And um, as a kid, that that young age, I should have been pissing my pants. I mean, I should have been scared. But there was just something about the aura, something yeah. about the sound, something about the guitars, and you know, not so much the dancing but the the entertainment factor that that man brought to the screen yeah that just blew me away it's even at five years however old I was five or six and yeah. then a few years later discovering this this dude with a, a, a you know curly ass hair and this out he's wearing these outlandish you know suits on stage that always had women around him in prints. You know, and then like, oh my God, what is this thing he's playing? What is, how, how is he doing that with his fingers? And then, yeah, and then 87, 88, whatever year it was, um, the year I moved to Florida, I remember listening to Metallica for the first time. And I was mm-hmm. like, holy crap. I mean, it was just one thing after the other. And yeah, you know, it was just astonishing to me. And I just, that era just blew, it still blows me away. Um, so it's interesting that, you know, you know, that you say the seventies and I say the eighties, but still it's, they're very, you know, parallel. Yeah. I mean, and certainly, you know,
1: if I'm saying the seventies, it it roared through the eighties too. I mean, I, I've worked, you know, through every decade and there's been great stuff throughout every one of them. Um, so, you know, trying to nail down one is, is, is not easy because, because as soon as I, you know, I think about that period, then I'm. Immediately kind of drifting off Thinking about something from the 80s I'm going, God, that was so cool And then suddenly the 90s pops up And you're going, oh, that was great I mean, for me, I hooked up with Phil Collins in the 80s And that was one of the best things in my
0: life Was working with Phil
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. So I can only imagine I, can, I mean, yeah. that's got to be, you know You know, just the, the hugest, you know Point of pride in your life
1: It was amazing I mean, I, and I love Phil dearly We, we talk, you know, pretty regularly And um, but that whole period through the '80s, especially when when he suddenly hit and hit huge, um, it was like this unbelievable world that that opened up to all of us in there. Um, And uh, and I I treasure it. Um, And and also, man, he's still one of the best drummers I've ever worked with, and I've worked with all of them. And Mm -hmm. Phil is just was I mean can't play anymore because of these his back got screwed up by bad surgeries and stuff but um man when he would sit down at that kit, his pocket was so
0: deep and so good yeah a lot of people forget that he was a drummer
1: yeah and it, it, I, I always tell people i said if you were walking down the street and bumped into phil collins and didn't know who he was and you started a con- you guys had a conversation and if you said to him so what do you do the first thing he would say is i'm a drummer more than songwriter, more than a singer, more than a front guy, more than any of that stuff, he lo- loved playing drums more than anything.
0: Yeah. And same goes for um, Dave Grohl. Yeah. You know, I mean, Dave Grohl is a great singer, great songwriter, great guitarist, but he loves playing the drums. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty obvious. Nirvana,
1: when, you know, he, oh, my God. He was great at it.
0: Yeah. I mean, and then even for him to continually collaborate with other bands, and he just wants to play drums. I mean, I remember in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, whatever it was, when he was uh, playing with Queens of the Stone Age. Mm-hmm. You know, people, you know, he played, he was on all their different uh, records and he went on tour and he was even in the music videos. But he a- specifically asked in the music videos to be blackened out um, and just be a solo X. He de- didn't want to detract from, you know, the people that he was playing with, which was really cool. Oh, but he's like, great. he's amazing. He's an amazing man. A- and that's actually a, a, a point I wanted to bring up as far as. Music outside of this country A while back I can't remember what year it was Specifically with Foo Fighters They were in It was either Australia or New Zealand And Mm -hmm. um, they were playing the song The Best of You And they were at a um, a concert And had like 150, 200,000 people there And everyone started jumping up simultaneously And they actually Caused an earthquake (laughs) Oh man uh, Actually registered on the Richter scale just because of the passion and the love that they had for that music, you know, and that's the kind of, you know, thing I was talking about before, um, is that passion and drive that music yeah. brings, you know, worldwide. And it's,
1: it just it's, blows it's, me away. It's Amazing. I think one of the most moving experiences I ever had on stage, um, was, uh, we went down, uh, with James Taylor, we did the first rock and Rio festival. And then we came back to Brazil and toured again. And when we got to Sao Paulo, we played a soccer stadium. I think it was like 110,000 seats in the place. And we started playing his song, Only a Dream in Rio. And all the audience was sitting there with cigarette lighters. And on the beat, they were flicking their lighters. But because of the delay and the size of the stadium from the stage... We were looking out at waves of fire going from the front to the back over and over. Oh we gosh. almost stopped playing, man. We were freaking out. We were just like almost crying. It was so intense. And, and we were thinking, I don't think this would happen anywhere else. But, man, the Brazilians are, were, are an amazing audience. Yeah. And it was it was something so special. And it's those kind of moments that are in, in, indelibly etched in your, your memory uh, of these things.
0: Yeah, Brazil, um, even Mexico. Um, oh yeah, Mexico. People love going there. I mean, yeah. it's it, again, it's just it, there's just something different about going to another country and just having that that love being spread to you back from another you know people that don't speak your language, seeing yeah. back to you, and just that appreciation is just yeah. unreal.
1: It's an energy that that's palpable and pretty hard to to find in any other uh, career. I mean, I know athletes, they get out on the field and they get in big stadiums and stuff and the crowd's going crazy, but there's, there's something about having an audience directly singing your music back at you. And, and it, it becomes like, you know, like a Vulcan mind meld or whatever, you know? it, <laughs> yeah. Like, and you become one with the audience at that point, And it becomes a giant organism.
0: Yeah. Um, a lot of my friends, even my family, um, give me a lot of flack for this, but, What we're talking about here Really kind of proves that point Um, If I'm You know I I subscribe to Amazon Music um, Mm -hmm. And If I Had a choice to listen to An entire album That was recorded live Versus Listen to that song In the studio I'm picking the live version Every time Mm -hmm. Um, You know I have more Live versions of songs In my phone On a playlist Than I do Studio versions You know I'll have three and four s- Versions of that same song From three or four Different concerts Because you know They just put it on Three or four different Live albums Yeah, yeah. And the reactions Are pretty much universal mm-hmm. You know um, I have uh, Three different versions Of songs From uh, Slipknot On my my phone From three different Concerts A Mexico one You know One that they did In London And a, I can't remember What the other one is But um You know It's like damn you know to get those cre- those reactions in three different parts of the world is just and this to hear the the crowd in the background it, it's still you know even though I'm not there yeah it's like I can picture myself there especially if you've been to a concert you know to where you can picture yourself at that show and then you know even if it's at another venue uh, not even the same time frame a different tour yeah, of course you can still brings you back to that you know every time I hear a Slipknot song now I can go back to 2001 when they were torn with Mudvayne. Or I can go back to last year when I saw them last year with uh, Volbeat and uh, Mastodon. And, and uh-huh. or, you know, it's just like, it, it just brings you back.
1: Yeah, it, it, absolutely. And also the thing is, if you're hearing all those things, if it's really a great band, all of those are going to be slightly different mm-hmm. performances because you, you you perform different every night. Every, you know, it's a different circumstance every night when you play studio you're going to hear it one way for the rest of your life that way yeah so you know hearing live performances if the band's good i mean I the, the thing that sometimes bugs me about you know live recordings is how much of it really is live and how much did they go back in the studio and fix after the after they did their live album um you know because there's like so much wrong with the album sometimes the only thing left is the audience and then they've kind of Gone in but if it's a really great live Recording it's fun to hear bands like That because there's an energy that happens On stage live that you, you No matter how good you are yeah. You're not going to muster that same energy In a studio situation As compared to being in front of an audience
0: Yeah exactly and The way you, I know a good live Concert album there's exceptions The way I know a good concert Album or live album is if The band will literally record every single stop on that tour. Yeah. And then go back and listen to every single one and say, hey, this is the best one from this. You know, this is the best of this. This is the best of this. And then you hear, oh, you know, thanks, San Francisco. Oh, hey, thanks, Oregon. You know, just, you know, and then you know, okay, you got the real thing there because they picked the best songs from each. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how I know.
1: Yeah, that's the I mean, that's the best one. Still one of my favorite live projects I was ever involved in was uh, Jackson Brown's Running on Empty album. And, and we had a remote truck with us. And we were recording in hotel rooms, in, in, the, in the bus, um, all the gigs and everything. And it, it turned out to be just a perfect documentary of an amazing tour uh, mm-hmm. at the end of it. And there were pieces from all throughout the tour on the album as compared to like, you know, throwing all your, you're shooting your whole wad into one show or two shows and then hoping that's going to be a good one. Yeah. It's a different commitment when you're, when you're doing, you know, multiple nights of of recording. But, um, but to me, that's where you can really put together like the most amazing uh, experience for everybody.
0: Yeah. Again, there's nothing like seeing a live band. Yeah. There's really not. I mean, you know, I have a, a new favorite band that I've been following a lot lately that I discovered about two years ago, and I saw them th- four times last year because mm-hmm. they they were on tour with a different band every three months. So I got to see them a, a couple different times, um, four different times, and you know, each time was different. Each time the crowd was different, each venue was different, and it it but it was the it was just electric, and it didn't get boring at all, and right. it just it just. I miss that so much.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, this is really, you know, we're we're kind of going full circle back to where all of this started. To, you know, tonight um, is really that's that's the heartbreak of all of this stuff is that that thing is really is is the lifeblood of the community. Um, and regardless if you like rock, country, classical, whatever, but music is really one of the things that is the most humanistic experience. And to have that taken away at this point is, is really, it's frustrating. It's heartbreaking. It's aggravating. It's everything because the people who, who love making music are desperate to make music. And the people who love hearing music are desperate to hear music. And we just don't know when that's going to, when that's going to come together again.
0: Yeah. And, it, and again, that's, it's extremely unfortunate because I mean, yeah as much as i love you know coming down to my studio an hour before showtime and just turning on my you know my amazon alexa and just jamming out to songs you know it's um it, or you know blasting my radio in my car yeah there's just nothing like seeing you know that guy up on stage or 10 guys up on stage you know or, you know yeah. like, like with a slipknot you know just delighting the crowd and it's just it's unreal it's unreal It's,
1: it's unreal and i'll tell you and, and like like i said before too and it's it just for me it's just as electric if you're in a little dive bar and there's a great band playing and you and you're you're close enough to smell them you know it's it's just it's great man just some sound pressure in the room and just everybody's like in sync man everybody's going and, and it is it, to me. It's it's is as close to heaven as I would ever want to be.
0: Yeah, um, and you bring up a great point there. I mean, there's a local lady around here, and um, she she's done studio musician stuff is like that as well. Um, her name is Holly Montgomery, and um, she uh, has her own band, and she does some studio stuff as well. And then has another band that she works with out uh, out in L.A. And um, whenever she's playing here locally in the D.C. area. I, you know, me and my best friend go always go see her, um, and she does a lot of cover stuff um, most of the time. But you know, regardless of what venue she's at, whether it's a dive bar or a brewery or just you know, you know, a bigger setup, when you know she's playing up there, you know, she's feeling that music more than you know, you know, and you can feel it, and everyone's yeah. singing along, everyone's just joining in, and it's just. Again, it's, it, it's magical So, with all that being said Yeah <laughs> um, Do you feel Because I, I have my own opinions about this mm-hmm. With, you know, the making of music Do you feel it's still important to make Or even relevant to make full-length albums anymore?
1: Well, certainly in, in my heart of hearts, coming from my history, I I love full albums. I love when people have put the effort into their projects to where there is a concept. Because we used to love, man, when we would go into, like, after we cut all the tracks and we, we figured out order, we'd go to the map and we'd hear that first track, that's where we wanted the second track to begin, you know, so, figuring out time between tracks and how are you going to end the A side and how are you going to start the B side emotionally? All that stuff meant the world to me, just like album art did. Um, yeah. This day and age, it doesn't seem like, uh, people are still doing it, but but certainly it isn't the standard where it was the standard when, when I was coming up in the business. Um, I, you know, I, I love having something that's thought out enough where there is a beginning and an end to an album and, and it takes you on a journey yeah. as compared to, you know, when things got to the point when people were, you know, listening to CDs and, and stuff like that, where they could hit random, they could pick like the two tracks on an album that they liked and just put them on an endless loop and listen to them. Um, it's fine for them if that's what they want to hear. But to me, that kind of takes away the journey yeah. for me. Um, and so I really, I, I love a, a full on conceptual album i mean it doesn't have to be like you know like a, a, a queen record where you're yeah doing that or a beatles album but um but if if it isn't in the in the cards for people and they just want to if they've written a couple of songs and they want to get them out there release those songs and then work on some more and release them as they come along uh it, it's just as valid at this point it is. It, to me any anything that can get your music out there to a place where people can hear it and discover you Um, This is what I do on my YouTube channel now that I've got is I'm constantly showing new stuff and new old stuff where people that are there said, God, I never heard of them before, but I'm digging that. I'm going to go back and check them out. And then they write back and they go, Oh, I love them, man. It's incredible. Thanks for turning me on to them. So I I think anything that gets you out there uh, is, is completely valuable. Um, But if I was doing a project, I, I would love, um, to be doing like with our band, we uh, we did our album, but because of the circumstances now we're releasing several EPs before the album comes out and digging into we cut way over cut tracks. So we're releasing some songs on the EPs that aren't going to be on the album. Um, so we're not being redundant about. Yeah. But uh, but it's just a brave new world and you just kind of have to figure out what works for you. And some people want to get out there, but they don't have enough material for an album. Yeah. So, you know, put out what you got
0: Yeah, I agree um, And that's kind of where I was going with it, too Because I I agree with you on all of that um, There's nothing like a full-length album um, But at the same time You know, if you're just going to put your heart and soul Into a couple singles And then just kind of throw together a couple tracks Just to get ten songs on an album yeah, Just put out the singles You know, Yeah, so, I
1: think Zappa used to call it Filler Poo it you still know, is yeah it is you know you've got all the a couple of great songs and then you got to put put some other crap on the just to fill out your obligation to finish an album that that's a complete waste of time and, and money and and i wouldn't want to subject my listeners to having something great and then followed by something that kind of sucks
0: yeah um and you even mentioned it yourself too you know you've had you know you you brought in some other you know You know, you've highlighted a lot of music on your channel, which I have done as well, um, because I I feel it's important. Yeah. Um. For you know, for two months straight, um, I was bringing on bands that were performing live performances on the show to highlight who they are and try to give them a national exposure. Um. And they could not have been more appreciative. The looks on their faces, even though they were probably in their basement, and you know, there's a couple that were in a studio, um, but they put in all the types of effort and, you know, I've turned on a lot of people to some other stuff and it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's amazing. Well, and it's, it's great too. Cause
1: like by doing what you do, you're sitting in a, in a position of power that, that, that can be really used in such a positive way. And I think right now with people being locked down, anything that gives them an opportunity to to find pleasure and enjoyment and stuff is is so necessary because what we're exposed to on a daily basis can put you in a deep hole of depression really fast. Yep. Um. So I think it, it's absolutely critical to have shows like yours. Um, I love doing the show. I mean, mine came out of the pandemic. I mean, I had no idea I was starting a show, and all of a sudden, it's, it's it took off. And um. And I I think it, it's important for me to feel engaged in the industry that I love. And it's also important to feel connected to the audience that I love and, uh, and they've responded in the light uh, to me. So it's, it's great to under the circumstances to still have a pretty cool relationship going, you know, musically with people.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, like I said, I mean, I, I, you know, I've been turned on to so many good, you know, bands now because of what I did and it was just like, It was uh, I I couldn't have you know planned it better. Thankfully, yeah, Um, and it turned out fantastic. And you know, um, but going back to the album talk, yeah, one of the things that you know, you know, like I said, I I I do enjoy the full length album, but what I enjoy more than anything are concept albums. Mm -hmm. Something that you start with that first beat. And then it goes through all 12, 13, 10, whatever songs. And it tells a complete story. Yeah. And I miss that. There's not a lot of bands that do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I had fun. I I worked with, there was an, an Australian artist named Billy Thorpe and we did an album called children of the sun. And it was that same kind of thing. It was like a space epic and all this stuff. And, And people would just say, man, I put my headphones on and I sat down and I was like in the zone until this thing ended. It was so, you know, just blew my mind. And it it was like one of those things you go, that's so cool, you know, that that they're understanding where this thing's coming from and that they're they're partaking in it.
0: Yeah, there's a um, one of my favorite bands of all time that does they've they've done one or two non concept albums, but every single one of their albums have pretty much been. Concept albums. Um, it's a band called Coheed and Cambria. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what they've done with their albums, you know, they tell these elaborate stories, but then they also, they also a comic book authors and they write their comic books as well. And they, um, everything's intertwined. Mm-hmm. And it just makes this full length experience of just. Ridiculousness You know And you It's almost like You can't just go Oh you know I really want to hear This one particular song You can't Because you have to go back And you have to listen To that whole album Yeah it, it, And there's a feeling Behind it And you know Because if you hear One song Just if you, if you have it all random In you know In your phone And just on shuffle And then it's like You know You hear that song It's like Oh shit Now i need to go back And listen to that whole album <laughs> Yeah Well yeah. it
1: There's There's a, a purpose And an intention When When people would make albums like that. I mean, it is meant to be viewed as a whole. It would be like going to an art gallery and walking up to a painting and looking at the corner of it and kind of digging the brush strokes and all that. But what you really need to do is stand back and take in the whole thing. And and those albums like that to me, are they're really gems like that. They really are. That was a real, even if it wasn't like storyline conceptual, but all those records we did in the 70s with James Taylor and Jackson Brown and Ronstadt and the Cat Stevens and all these people from there, they were really thinking of an album in its entirety. They weren't thinking of individual tracks as much as how did this flow into that emotionally? And it took you on a journey.
0: Yeah. And I love i love that too. Yeah. That journey of of a good album is rare these days. Yeah. It really is. I mean, in the last fifteen years, I can only think of maybe three or four. Um, Well, with the exception of the the and Cambria stuff, but uh, outside of that, um, three or four that have just like I've listened cover to cover, and felt every vibe along the way. Yeah, and that's and that's and that is even more sad.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a bunch of sadness about all that too. And and like I said. just before i miss album art i miss picking up an lp and and looking at at artwork of um inserts that they would put in in the albums that were like bonus things that you could get out of them i mean it, it was it was an entire package and also the process of playing a record of having your turntable and you know dusting off the album and setting it on the turntable and watching that needle go down and then when that sides over it comes up and you clean it it's like a japanese tea ceremony you know i mean it, it can really be a pretty zen thing to listen to an album in those circumstances as compared to having your entire musical experience be some earbuds coming out of your phone
0: exactly i mean i even though you know this was before my day you know, I still have, know no people that were experienced it and have talked about it, but like going back to Black Sabbath and the Vertigo days, mm-hmm. you know, um, having putting out an actual record record, and then throwing in a a poster along with that, yeah, and you know that 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 first excitement of you know opening up that you know not only seeing it on the front and the back, you know the artistry of the album, and then before you even pull out the record and put it on the record player, you know, opening up that, that poster and just, you know, acknowledging how awesome it is and then putting on that album and just looking at that poster, looking at that cover and just going, shit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was, it was an, it was like an an, completely encompassing experience to to have, to have all of that stuff um, there for you. And, and, and then, you know, I mean, then depending on the system you had you also just the fidelity sometimes of listening to to a great a great mastered album through a good sound system yeah is like nothing else correct and and, you know and it's kind of like people you know it's you're either going to go to the cinerama dome and see a movie huge or you're going to watch it on your phone you know i mean it's two completely different experiences yeah uh, and you know, I, given my druthers I would rather sit in a theater And watch a thing on a big screen With a big sound system
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that You know, and even back then You know, going as far to talk about Like, you know, before music videos were popular You know Like bands like Pink Floyd did The Wall The movie and, you know, you got to experience The music in a different way You know, again, it's all about The artistry behind it Not just putting paper to pencil, I mean, pencil to paper, and then putting it onto a track. It's, it's everything from A to Z and it's just, you know, including the artwork and the the theory behind it and just how you want to present it to your fans in order to get the ultimate feeling.
1: Yeah. the the, You know, one of the things for me that was always great, and I really feel bad for, um, for people in this day and age, I mean, a lot of towns still have like that boutique record store. We have like, um, aardvark out here in, in LA and so but the the whole act of going through bins of albums and, and finding stuff that intrigued you because of how the album looked. You didn't even know wh- what the music was in it, but you you found something really appealing about that that kind of sensual quality of, of going through racks of albums, you know, like going to a flea market and somebody's got all these boxes of albums and just kind of going through them. Um, as compared to like going online and trying to find something. And yeah. it's not the same thing. You might be able to, you know, preview, you know, 18 bars or something of something on, online. But that whole act of, you know, going to a, a record store and going through all these bins of all these different albums and making discoveries there, to me, for me growing up, that was a real essential part of growing up.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, uh, you know, we can't even these days, I mean, with the exception of the, you know, the, the few record stores here and there You know, I remember in the 90s, you know, getting some sense of that It was a lot different, obviously Yeah. But in the 90s, doing that with CD stores you Yeah know, Or even used CD stores um, yeah. You know, and getting that, that idea of it And that was really cool But we don't even have that experience anymore I mean, not even Best Buy carries CDs anymore I know,
1: I mean, when you used to have Tower Records and you know, or, you know, back in the day with pe- Peaches in, in Atlanta down. Oh, my mouth. God. Peaches. Yeah. I mean, those kind of things. We did a live in store with our group in, in Peaches back in the day. Yeah, um, But, yeah, it, it's it's all different now. And, and again, I'm, I'm going to reiterate and say that the last thing I want to become is the old fart. You know, I don't I don't want to be one of those guys where you, know, you sound like grandpa talking about stuff. And well, in my day. Um, but there are things that were really amazing that are long yeah. gone and, and I do miss them. And there's, you know, certainly if I was going to have brain surgery, I'd really rather be having it now than I would have 30 years ago. But yeah, but there are certain things that really were amazing. You know, the club scene that we had in L.A. and, and all the music stores and the rec, you know, and the and the studios that are gone where it was there was a studio on every corner in those days and they were good studios yeah, and they're all gone. So, you know, there are certain things that you do have fond memories of that you lament their passing, but, but at the end of the day, they're gone and you can't sit there and bitch about it. You move on and you, you uh, acquire what's needed for today.
0: Yeah. And I don't think, you know, either one of us um, are, you know, being that Debbie downer, you know, that old fart that, you know, said back in my day, you know, I don't think we're doing that. If anything, With especially with record records, you know they're making a comeback. And um, if anything, I think that this conversation, you know, to an eighteen-year-old that never has thought about it, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are still that are still producing records, and some of your favorite artists are producing records. Buy one. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Support support the industry. Support
1: the when when we. When we're out on the road with like the last tour I did with Judith Owen, we sold more albums than we did CDs At, the, at after the show. Um, people are, man, they're hungry for them, you know, and it's really nice to, to, to finally have turntables being used for something other than
0: scratching. <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, it's a it's a beautiful piece of machinery and it's a beautiful process to sit and listen to a record. So you know, indulge yourself and enjoy it. You know, support it, yeah. support all this.
0: Yeah, and especially because you know the the analog sound cannot be replicated digitally.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: that, if, any, if yeah, if you take nothing or, else from this conversation, buy a record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that. Well, that that
1: for me is it's another one of those things where the 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 old farterism becomes you know, an issue where I don't want to be in a studio with a young band and start talking about analog to them because they've never heard it. And they—they you sound like, you know, you're from another era. But if they ask me what was it like recording the tape and analog and all that, man, I am happy to share my knowledge with them. I just don't want to bring it to the table where I sound like I'm out of step.
0: Yeah. And what's funny about it is, you know, even in the last... 20 years, people were still Recording on tape, and yeah. a lot Of people don't even realize it, hell, some of our You know, most recognizable TV shows Were, were recorded on Reel to Reel, and yeah. People don't even realize it, because they just thought Oh, it, you know, at turn of the century, it was You know, it was all digital That's not much Yeah And people missed a lot because of that Yeah, I agree But, you know, if again, if nothing else it's it's We're talking about, you know, because what used to be popular in the '50s, '60s, and '70s with drive-ins and records and stuff like that is making a comeback. Um, and now it's never been a better time to be um, a mu- fan of music. Being a musician, just breaking in, you know, we had that conversation. But yeah. being a fan of music and hell, even the movie industry, things that were that made that you know certain generations great that died off. Are making a comeback. And now is that time to really embrace and support. Exactly. Embrace and support. And that was, and that's honestly what I wanted to get out of this conversation with you was that fact of it. So yeah, we can say, you know, whatever we were saying, but it wasn't at all a Debbie Downer. It was all a buy that record, because you want to feel it in a way that you've never felt it before.
1: Yeah. And 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 you want that you, you can have that experience until your last breath. Yep. It's not something like you, you age out on or anything like that. You could, you will, you will hopefully be enjoying music. You might be laying there in, in, in a uh, hospice with headphones on listening to the music you loved as the last thing in your life. Yeah. And that's a, not a bad way to go out.
0: Yeah. You know, We could have, you know, come on in this conversation, you know, and just did a huge profile on you because you deserve a huge profile. Um, And we did a little bit of that here and there. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's you, you know, but but I wanted to have a genuine conversation about music and the industry and the feeling of it, and remind people why music exists. You know, yeah. that unifying feeling and, you know, I'm glad you came along with me on that journey of it. And I appreciate all of your opinions and all of your everything that you were saying, because it's all true. You know, well, does it well, matter I, if
1: I totally appreciate the direction you took this show? I, I had no idea. I had no expectations of what our discussion would be. And I'm thrilled that it went this way, because if anybody's curious about me, Google, you know, exactly. but right right now, this this is, I think, really important because our. Uh, our world and our I- industry uh, is in, in precarious place. And I think it's really important that people you know, support on whatever level is possible at yeah. this point. And, and hopefully it'll get better where they can start going to clubs and concerts and, 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 and enjoying the, the shared community of music.
0: And again that was the whole idea of this conversation. Because again, yeah. you you know, you have a whole you know, you Google your name and there's a Wikipedia page that comes up and tells us everything about you. Yeah. Um, and then you can see pictures and you know the whole nine yards. People have seen that. I wanted to again I wanted a whole other conversation with you and I'm glad that it went the way it did. So yeah, thank man. you very, very much. It's a pleasure. It Anytime. really, really was. Anytime, man. Anytime
1: you do it. I- I'm here for you. Yeah, dude, we,
0: I could literally have this conversation a hundred different times, and it would we would say a hundred different things. Because I mean, I, I love music, and it's just it's it's in my soul, man. Yeah, and you know, you've been a part of hundreds of albums that I've enjoyed throughout the years. So it's been an honor and a privilege, man. Well, thank you, Dick. Man,
1: it is it's a a real pleasure for me too,
0: man. And I look forward to uh,
1: maybe some more more visits down the line.
0: Absolutely, and I, I would look forward to that very much.
1: Can I can I be a whore for a minute?
0: Please and, whore yourself out, man. You no, know, I, I just want to invite whoever's listening, if they're
1: curious, come to my YouTube channel. It's just Leland Sklar channel, and it started completely by accident. And um, every day I play another song that I've recorded, and then I tell all the backstories about you know the the process and who was involved and all kinds of stuff. And it's really developing a remarkable following on it and there's a clubhouse you can join and all kinds of crap going on so it's really made me feel much so engaged still rather than sitting home going i wish all my gigs hadn't been canceled
0: (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. and that's the beauty of you know digital technology um you know when i sit here and have conversations you know because you know my show goes an hour and a half two hours sometimes yeah you know youtube life does not exist that long no you know so i mean It takes it'll take time to get you know my views up, um, and I'm perfectly fine with that. But I still find it astonishing that you know I I upload this to the podcast, I get twenty five thousand hits, but I go live, I get maybe (laughs) twenty. It's amazing to me. Crazy, Crazy. (laughs) it is. It's so funny. But um, you know, I'm glad that you're utilizing YouTube in the positive way that you know um, some people don't. um, To really again let people feel music in, in ways that they just didn't know existed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's
1: a shared community. man. it's like I'm learning things from people that are writing into me in my comments section going, oh man, if, you, if this is what you're into, man, check these guys out or this group or this artist. And, and, and it's, so it's a real two, two-way street, which is really wonderful because that to me is what it's always been. I've never felt that the stage was a separation from an audience. I just felt we were all one family out there
0: and you know as long as music continues people will continue to feel that way
1: yeah i hope so
0: and we have people to thank like people like you to thank for that so i appreciate it
1: well thank you for the format to come visit
0: dude again it's been nothing but an honor and a privilege on my part so i appreciate it
1: well great man well stay safe that's the main thing right now for exactly. everybody is man it's some scary times out there don't uh... Don't fall prey to, to nonsense, man. Really, just keep yourself and your family and friends as safe as you possibly
0: can. Exactly. Uh, you too, man. I appreciate it. Cool. But we'll talk again soon. I would love to, Derek, man. You I... take care and just remember, suck it! That's right. <laughs> Thank you, sir. You have a good one. Okay, you too, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, what a legend. What a cool, ass guy. So that was Wednesday. That was Wednesday. It um, doesn't get much better than that guys um, I hope you guys enjoyed the show Please come back again tomorrow 8pm east 5pm west I have the lead singer of Ashes to Omens James Branton on with me We're going to talk a little bit of metal And have some more from music talk It's been a music full week this week So come back tomorrow I appreciate and love everybody Y'all have a great rest of your night And we will see y'all tomorrow And remember always stay healthy Stay happy And stay fucking heavy Peace